0: pouring a drink soda water though it's only you're talking time. about oh good well okay. uh yes so this uh for everyone joining us whether it's three months six months 10 years from now 50 years from now whatever the human extinction event looks like next it's jimmy's <laughs> birthday today happy birthday jimmy
1: thank you thank you
0: what What Thanks are we time. doing here jimmy are we doing anything The matters birthday.
1: No, do I, do I get to like tell you what I'm thinking
0: about? Yeah, plus you got to intro us.
1: Well, I can do that anytime, man. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Breaking Brains and Building Hearts. We're exploring concepts around leadership, change, and growth for individuals, businesses, and teams. Welcome. Uh, with me, Chris McAllister and Mr. Brett Burchard. Bert... Burchard. 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 Like urge, Burchard. Burchard. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. This is my test. I'm going to get it. Mr. Burchard, thank you. Thank it you seems- for everything you do, my friend.
0: It seems like a key thing in being a sales expert is name. No, I'm just <laughs> Well, what's interesting,
1: my name, Rory's, R O R E S, I've grown up my whole life with it being mispronounced. Yeah. And so I've just, I've gotten. I should not treat you the same way, Brett, for sure. But I've just I've become kind of immune to
2: proper pronunciations,
1: though I do try.
2: And I just I am, want myself out there. I am too. Right. My uncle growing up used to mispronounce it on purpose just because he knew no one could say it right anyway. So he almost changed the entire family name uh, just to accommodate the crowds. Right, right. Jimmy,
0: you have to stop caring because as dementia keeps (laughs) setting and increasing, you can't stress out about it. It's
1: going to make one of My daughters, man. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's cool? What's interesting is COVID. I mean, talk about like demented behavior. Um, COVID. Mm. What's interesting is it makes me more serious. You know, during the day, because I'm just taking things more seriously in this in this environment. But it means that I'm more wacky after hours, like when we're playing cars or goofing around the house. I'm just off the off the charts. So, yeah, I'm approaching that that maybe I'm approaching that realm of no return. Uh, we'll see.
0: When I'm relaxed, I'm uh, and I'm like this in the middle of the day and at night, and and I just will rap and be like a hype man weirdly about everything you know (laughs) i was doing it upstairs went upstairs and i was like (laughs) just whatever uh i can't help it it's so much fun i do it and that's how i know like if i'm super serious that that part of me goes away and and i usually it's because i feel some kind of pressure that's real it's on paper it has real numbers to it um but it's just how that pressure gets in my head and starts sapping out MC hype man McAllister he goes away (laughs) but when he's there and it's funny we're talking about this because you're you said that and I just had the thought um you know before we kicked off here like when when has that part been most present in my life and it's when a couple of variables are kind of dialed in and uh and then it's like crazy man Chris I'll give him all kind of nicknames he's there he's there
1: um and do your kids it, respond though, Chris. I mean, you know, do your kids respond with their level of craziness?
0: Uh well definitely it was it's age specific. So at 14, 16, 18, it's might be joking with me back a little bit. Um might be eye rolls, kind of fifty fifty. I'm okay with those odds. Those are good enough. I mean when they're little, it's like everything they go with it. It's and yeah, when they're older, it just depends on their mood. I am very aware of trying to like feel out where they are, especially just being around them more during the day now uh, with the world and changing and what it is. And so, yeah, they pretty much know with me, you know, in fact, my daughter earlier, because I started doing it, I'm vibing, I'm joking. And this was something, you know, she'll, she'll be 15 in a couple of weeks. And I was like, hey, when you're 15, I have a special like talk with you. You know, I'm just trying to feel you know, weirded out, and uh, and and I said, just ask your sisters if you get any questions. And it's coming up in a couple of weeks, just giving you a heads up. And like, they don't. They, it is so hard to get them to bite on things and because they'll just ask me questions and figure it out real quick but if i can get them to bite on things dude it's a riot it, and actually and, and i know i really mean this it makes me a better public speaker because when you have that ability to take an audience with you and it's like zzz, and then relieve that tension and have some fun with them it's a blast we'll so. always practicing the skills yeah the thrill see i'm doing it with you i'll stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk well, it seems like we're talking about keeping it light
1: it's yeah Keep it- you know, what's interesting to me is this is this idea of uh what, what became apparent to me um in you know today's election day so i you know november 3rd election day i think i was i remember you know my birthday is around election day most of the time but uh, now it's on and i'm thinking about this idea of all the all the um diversity in the opinions of people around us and so Really, when I've been talking with my kids, and well, what do we talk about over dinner? Are just the diversity of opinions about what we're facing right now among our friends and neighbors, coworkers, and um, the the question that that my kids raise all the time is, I can't believe it, or I don't understand it, I don't get it, and I've and I, what really struck me is this idea of how do you how do you lead people or function effectively in an environment where you don't get people. You have a, you have a diverse team, not necessarily for the, for the reasons we think about diversity, but how do you manage a team and lead a team toward a goal in the, in the face of so many diverse opinions that aren't just superficial, but you know, for many
2: people, very meaningful?
0: Yeah, man. Brett, how crazy is this from what we talked about at Sight Shift?
2: Richard? Yeah, I was going to say like, you just teed it up as, go ahead, Chris. That's all. <laughs> Get back and enjoy.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, this is like, like everything that I think is on people's minds and hearts right now. And um, you, you see companies dealing with it this way. Coinbase comes out and says, we're not going to be political. We're focused on the mission. And then they had a ton of people leaving you have other companies coming out explicitly being politically extreme left usually usually companies that are more right of center it becomes an underspoken expectation that that's who we are so i've seen those three patterns playing out with companies like crazy but and and brett this just for brevity's sake maybe so brett just experienced me teaching this for like 20 ish minutes to the the site shift community but um so help me maybe include anything that you thought was helpful. Here's the way I make sense of it. We're all making sense of it this way. We're in boxes. And and for most of human history, you only had your box. Over the last couple hundred years of human history, you only had a few major boxes. Like you're a conservative Hindu. You're a liberal Christian. You know, whatever. You got it. And, and now we have an infinite landscape of boxes endless uh, ways of constructing a box. and so if we don't understand that then we all we know is is our box and how our box doesn't isn't the same as their box and you know all that stuff. and then on top of that it's just helping people get educated that you know your box is going to change. you're not going to f- be convinced and believe the same things that you do right now if you stay open to growth and learning. And there are patterns that have been put down to that. And we talked about that in one of our other episodes since we've been recording with this new batch, I think, Camel, Lion, Child. And so right now, you've got a lot of people bouncing around in lion boxes because they're reacting. And so they're not actually progressively getting to a thinking for themselves where they pull out the meta and can look at the bigger viewpoint. They're just instead... You know, so uh, at the end of today or whenever they declare results, they're going to be a lot of fulfilled people and happy because their worldview got affirmed and they're going to be a lot of mad, sad people because their reality got broke and neither of their realities are reality.
1: Yeah, it, well, uh, you know, I love, I love the. Uh, you always take something that I can say so simply and make it like blow my brains out of my head. So, I
0: I think you say, make it brain. harder to understand. And <laughs> well, <laughs> I would have
1: said that, No, no, no. I'm just. Uh, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's you know, I, I totally agree with everything you said. And when I think about reacting, I think about um, the movie uh, Three Hundred, and no. uh, when the king. Um, was sent out into the wilderness, wilderness to become a man, and he was facing the the beast. And you know, when I think about reacting, I think about that mother wolf um, sneering at an enemy, or a mama, mama bear sneering at an enemy, or um, any kind of kind of reaction like that, where we are we're facing a threat and we're showing our teeth, and. You know, at the most basic level, I think of that as a, as a fear based response. And so when you talk about this idea of being the lion in that lion stage and reacting and responding, I think of it as a fear based response. And I, I think of two things, and I'm not judging people, you know, we're all human. I do the same thing. But I think about, you know, this idea of being trapped in a fear based response, being, you know, and a lot of people feel trapped right now. Versus feeling like they can make a choice and step out of that zone of reaction or that state of reaction and kind of create a you know world that they want. And for many folks, they just feel like they can't because this is like this is you know our government. This is something I can't control other than just placing a vote. So all I can do is respond in fear.
0: Exactly. Comprehend this. Trump has the whole Western world reacting to him. Trump, people aren't voting for Biden. They're voting against Trump. (laughs) If they're voting against Trump, yeah, if they're voting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and like, like that's the thing that I would want people to get. Wake up to the fact that you're reacting to somebody else's vision have you no vision in and of yourself so great centering compelling that you desire that crowds out everything else food can, i mean it, you know it's just that's the thing the triggering the reactivity shows the lack of vision do you beat yourself up for that no no you you own it you accept it you're like why don't i have a greater compelling vision you know, and let it take you to a wilderness. Um, or or just can kind of, I, you
1: know, can I develop my own, a greater vision? I mean, it's just a great, it's a great point of self-awareness where you don't beat yourself up, but you just say to yourself, look, can I operate, a yes, can I operate yeah. in a different way?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: and, and so I think if the answer to that question is yes, then go into the thing that you're afraid of like you're getting react you're getting reactive and you're getting triggered what are you afraid of there's something you're afraid of now i can talk about it simple or deep let's hit deep first because you used the 300 example which i love you know there was actually a practice in shamanic tradition in the religions the hunter-gatherer religions they had to go and become so one with the bear the bear would eat them the bear would shit them out and then they'd have to piece themselves back together again And what happens when you really lean into your fears is you get disassembled, and then you have to have the ability to reassemble yourself, to reassemble your identity, a new worldview, a new awareness of mission, and how you know. But at a simple level, you know, um, you're you're reacting to somebody else's vision for your life, and you're falsely making them the causal agent of who you are, of what you do. Right. And as Louis C.K. says, and this needs to be quoted a ton today everywhere, nobody cares who the president is when bacon's in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and that wisdom just is
1: I'm just, for i for it all. I know you like to quote comedians. I'm just glad you didn't quote, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, shoot. Number one podcast in the world, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. He has a he has his own uh, quote about the presidency,
0: but we'll leave that off. Uh, this yes, episode. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Hard to go look it up. I mean, yeah, there's a guy who's you know again doesn't even mean I agree with him on everything, and I'm not saying I do, but you know, people can't groups can't handle a person living their own authentic vision, and so if you're waiting for the group to push you into living your own authentic vision is never going to happen cuz groups pull down into conformity groups aren't bad but without healthy vision that's where we oh, go
1: you're opening up a bag of worms here i don't want to dominate the conversation i want i want to get bread in here um,
2: yeah it's you are opening a can of worms but i was thinking in kind of a, in a different light um, you know you talk about these people that are playing a game that everyone else is reacting to. And, and it just, the whole election thing to me is, uh, what captures my attention is the strategy to win the game and how there's, you know, they have this thing dialed in. I think it was in, it was during the 2016 primaries. Um, so it would be the 2015, 16 basketball season. I was with the Phoenix suns. We were in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin playing the bucks. And in our hotel was John Kasich, who was at the time running in the Republican primary. And he had rented out the whole seventh floor of the hotel for his whole campaign staff. He was there for an event and all this. And, you know, all of his staffers and stuff are running around the lobby. And I'm just like mesmerized. You know, here we are trying to, you know, go play a basketball game and doing our little opponent scouting reports and all that kind of stuff. And here's a dude on the seventh floor scheming. To be the leader of the free world, <laughs> and it was like, holy smokes, these dudes are playing a game at a whole nother level. Um, and then, if you think about it, like they've got this election strategy dialed into the county, like they right. know the four counties that are going to win that state, and it just blows my mind. Like the the level of the game that's being played. You know, and then all of us, you know, where you're talking about, Chris, when we don't have our, you know, our, our own vision or can't manifest our own vision, we're just reacting to their game. And we're pawns in their game. And we're going to get moved and swayed left or right, one way or the other, by fear and by these you know, tribal communities. And, and if you can't enact that own vision on your life, you're just succumbing to someone else's game. But then, like the the mind blowing thing to me is these guys that are playing games at crazy levels uh, that we don't even understand. Um, you know, we'll go stand in line and vote, but um, it's it's amazing. That's I told Taylor <laughs> this morning. Uh, we woke up. Taylor's my wife. We woke up. I said, "Morning, it's game day. <laughs> We're having popcorn and pizza tonight to to watch the game because there it's a it's a game strategy going on." And and we're gonna watch everybody react to it. And as you alluded to, Chris, boxes are gonna get broken. And uh, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating.
0: I I hope I can use it to just sell some speaking packages to help people understand how important being a storyteller is. Like, Stop denying the reality that the the storyteller wins. Like I, I said this in our last show, and, and I'm saying it again. And and again, I, you know, I don't want to get into it too much from a specific standpoint. I, I have my reasons that make this harder than 2016, um, less obvious. But then I have other reasons for now that make it very obvious. Like, it's so weird to think through things like in a short-term, long-term, China, Russia, all this kind of stuff. But, but that being said, um, the number of people, the number of people statistically that have switched from Democrat to Republican over the last few months because of the reality distortion field that you just keep staying on message and turning everything to what you want it to be. And, and we love that in business. That's what Steve Jobs did. He created reality distortion fields. Um, but this is the moment for people to see how they're emotionally reacting and understand, um, this is the, let it surface vision in you to the point that like you're doing with Taylor tonight, this becomes something fun to watch. You're not so connected to it that you have despair or elation tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's good. It's to me, it's, and I hear everything you're saying. I think that the really interesting thing to me, there's two things. When I talk about opening a can of worms, there's two things I think about. Um, you know, there is a, I, re, I remember um, back when Trump was um, one of 16 Republican candidates in the primary. And and uh, what's interesting to me when we think about vision, right? All 16 of those folks had a different vision. One stood out. One was voted on, right? So in other words, you know, there was a, there was a, Democratic process to choose the vision that at least the Republican Party wanted to promote. And, you know, when you think about building a team, right, and uh, the organic process of building a team, a group of folks, here's 16 people who want to lead the team, and they pick one. And uh, that's the vision they want to uh, stand behind. Yeah, what we're saying is that every other every member of that team should have their own vision as well. So they there should be some part of them that is independent, thoughtful, and aware enough to be choosing that that um, that leader based on their alignment with the goals that they the larger goals they have for themselves. Um, You know, to to ensure that there is. Uh, alignment with the team and we're, and we're we're co-leading, not just following blindly, and I think that's, I think that's interesting, but it's got to be damn hard first you to do that in a family where you can't pick your teammates, and it's got to be damn hard to do that at work as well. and I just think that's a that's an amazing challenge that uh, is worth recognizing in families and businesses, small
0: businesses, large businesses. 'Cause it's not democratic actually. I see I, right. It's just the best storyteller. It's the most persuasive one that is going to win. You know, if you put a strategic, persuasive, influential person in the room and you put a kind, open to democracy person in the room, best person's gonna win. I'm gonna win. This person's gonna win. Right. If they're too aggressive, they'll be adaptive and figure that out. And the, and it'll look happenstance and like eh, but actually they're they're playing, they're playing a 3D chess game, and so for me the real joy passion is like bring both of those together, because the best vision's gonna win, or the most persuasive person's gonna win, the best storyteller's gonna win. Let's let the vision for us as a corporate group be powerful, inclusive dynamic and empowering to each individual so each individual needs to find their own vision of who they want to be in character of who they want to be in cooperation with this bigger picture vision and and what you said is it is so damn hard like if that were easy companies would just explode with growth uh political empires would take off and be so great for the whole world but it it isn't it's it's You know, you're wanting to play a cooperation game, which I agree it's the best game to play. But there are always characters in there that are playing a competition game, and because they're playing that competition game, you know, an unaware leader that rests on yesterday's persuasive win loses today.
1: Yeah, I would call it. I would, and I'd really want uh, Brett to chime in because I'm fascinated on the connection between you know sports teams and other teams but i would call it a different game i'd call it a um you know it's it's to me it's really about this idea of the leader at the top uh, to what degree their vision is self-centered versus yes uh group centered right it's it, you know when when any president um when, when a president, um, you know, makes a public statement against an American company, right? Because that that, that company has a, a policy of not selling merchandise or having having allowing people to wear political merchandise at work. And they make a statement against that company. Let's boycott that company. That statement is a self-serving statement. It's, a, it's one that's not here for the best interest of the, com- the country. It's one that's, totally. I'm pissed because you... And I've worked with CEOs who've been like that and founders who've been like that. And my tenure at those companies have been very short. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, but when that exists, what I think is interesting is when that, when that exists in a sports franchise at any level... You know, the a price is paid. That franchise, yeah, you know, shits the bed, or or they get rid of that friggin' that cancerous personality, right? And it doesn't matter. It seems to me it doesn't matter where they are in the in the organization, whether it's a player or an executive. I'm curious what what Brett has to say about that.
2: Yeah, well, what Chris is saying is like right on point. With the the most powerful storyteller, or the best storyteller is the one who wins, who gets the gets the influence and. Uh, you see that and I've seen it firsthand in the NBA just where there's so many coaching changes and leadership changes and and that is it's not necessarily like there's a ton of coaches with great tactical knowledge and um, strategic knowledge of the game and are, are brilliant coaches but it's the storytellers and uh, that rise to the top and that gain the influence and become the leaders and um, but it also turns into you know, Motive of the leader, like is it right. here to serve me or is it here to to serve the team and, and the vision of the team? Um, and I think when that vision is empowering the individuals, you know, that are a part of it, it becomes really healthy. But as the insecure leader, when it's about like me holding on to power or me being validated, you know, or me being celebrated. Uh, that's when it becomes unhealthy and it ends up tearing itself down. You know, I remember being in a situation where it was like, I don't need to, I don't need to tear this one down. It's going to fall on its own. You, know, you just give it enough time um, because you see the insecurity of it. Um, so, you know, as a lot of the stuff we talk about, kind of comes back to motive, you know, how are you using the tools? How are you playing the game and for what purpose uh, are you playing the game what's the what's the end result of that for you? question
0: I think it relaxes people like let this play out. This is going to show itself. I don't have to go down with this. This is also why it makes the stakes higher with politics because where it is now, we do get more affected. I think that's not been as true the last you know few cycles, but the growth of the power of the executive office as president has expanded so much post 9-11 that that it does affect you a lot more and and this is for me like my 18 year old voted so first time we've had a kid vote in our house which is pretty interesting and um and and the settle for biden uh meme that is so true for her generation like that is that is everything that that captured their focus and interest uh, as a generation, just speaking in broad brushstrokes here, uh, because actually my daughter wrote me in, which was really gratifying. (laughs) Um, But the the thing being, how much of a competition game are Democrats playing that they couldn't put out a better candidate? Like, that's the best you could do. Like, you've had four years to try to really go toe-to-toe and play a better game. And you're so... Dog eat dog, that that's the best you could do, you know. And and so what I think for lack of visions, exactly. Bam, there it is. I took sorry,
1: I took the uh, the punchline away Mm -hmm. from you.
0: Mm -hmm. You helped lift it up, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a bummer. And and I think for you know that's as leaders, us people watch this that are leaders. It's our job. It's our responsibility. We have to carry this mantle that we cannot let people stay in despair or exuberant, ill-founded hope wherever they find themselves. Now, we can't change their emotional state. We're not responsible for them. But we can't let them stay there without offering them a better alternative, which for me is just – Where do you need to own your own reality with courage? Where do you need to take the next step in your mission, being resilient? And where do you need to help people around you? Empathy. Like, stop trying to worry about the whole world. You can't download all of human consciousness into your brain. Stop trying to carry all the suffering of the world. In a healthy way, be irresponsible. And just own what you can own right around you. And advance that. Because this is dissipating your emotions and and the energy that you have around it and and the people that could be most impacted by you aren't you know so i think the spirit of what you painted with you and taylor is pizza and chips it's the game i read chips in i think yeah, but either pop way <laughs> popcorn pop that was it that was it but but like yeah let's use it let's use it as an example to to our kids and the thing that i'm saying over and over to teams that i'm speaking to and kids storytellers with a great motive human history it's going to keep playing out. You can't beat biology and evolution. These are the people that are going to impact the change, you know, but got to have the good motives. Yeah. Good. How do we get good motives, Brett?
2: I think, uh, a recognizing like the desires in you, you know, uh, paying attention. Why am I doing this? What do I want out of this? Um, and, and servicing those desires, and then fi- figuring out, you know, uh, like who you are apart from everything else you're trying to accomplish and where you're trying to belong. And, um, you know, if, if you can separate that out, if you're seeking validation, you're seeking belonging from community, from what you, from your work, um, you know, you're going to show up to get you're going to show up. I need you. I, I say this to coaches all the time. It's like the players aren't here to serve you. You're there to serve the players. You know, the players aren't there to win games so you can have a better coaching career. You know, the players aren't there. The players aren't your chess pieces to move around. Like they're people with desires and emotions and insecurities and fears and, and their own personal goals. And we show up to serve them. Um, but but once you try to get from them, you know the motives get get sour. Um, right. Right, So you're trying to separate that out of understanding who you are apart from what you're doing, who you're in relationship with, um, and and show up to give, not get.
0: That's awesome. How would you answer that question, Jimmy? How do you change somebody's motives?
1: You know, um, how do you change someone's motives? I mean, to me... Or how do they change their own motives? Yeah, I mean you know i i I'm a student of human nature right and um, I'm at the point in my life fifty four here i am I've been around for a bit, raised some girls you know uh I've got my mother on living with us, so we've got three generations in the house you know the uh the older I get the more uh, more I feel like humanity deserves what it gets right we are we are the architects of our own misery right on one hand, um, but in the real world where I operate in business, and I'm very much pro business, um, I like to test people, and I like to test the sincerity of their motives. I'm going I think I may get to your, the answer to your question, but this is what's on my mind right now. Is you know there are you know there are folks that are out there for themselves and do a good job of kind of conning you into believing they're there for you. Um, and they'll work with you for as long as they can take from you enough of what they want. And then there are those folks out there who really truly want to serve, but there is a limit to the service that they're willing to provide. And uh, what, I, what I love to do is f- when I work, when I find folks that I want to work with who truly believe in service because they recognize that. No human being is an island. We all depend on the folks around us to uh, for our success and what we achieve in life. And if you don't recognize that, then you will end up learning that lesson the hard way. But once you learn that lesson, then you become inspired to serve. But the question is, to what degree? And so I love to see... Uh, at the level at which people abandon that <laughs> that motivation, right? So think of an athlete who says, "Yeah, I'm a team player because you can't get paid if you're not if you're not um, drafted to a team." So I'll be a I'll be a team player, and you're drafted. Now you get that five year, 120 million dollar contract. Now what? Well, you know, now maybe I may be less of a team player. You know, until it challenges me in another way. So I think it's interesting. Uh, to really ex- to help to kind of push people to the point where you expose that point at which they end up exposing the real uh, motivation behind them, which for many people is that they are willing to compromise themselves to a degree for the team only to a point. And uh, it's interesting to, to, when you find that
0: point. What moment stands out for you in our interactions where you tested my motive?
1: Well, it's, it's not, um, and you know, that the way you say that means that, um, and it may be, you know, the way that it sounded when I said it is I don't go around testing people sure per se, but I allow, I want to know when you ninja me up. I, I just allow people to show up the way they truly are. And so what, what ends, what's, and, and so it's not calculating. And I, so I couldn't tell you exactly when, but any time that um i allowed you to show up as who you were was the op- was that opportunity and it's it's all about it's all about what we can achieve together and what we are willing to do to get there or not willing to do to get there there's no nothing more gratifying to me to meet someone who's got something inspiring inside them and for them to push me versus me have to push them that's one example do i have to push you for example to be a great teammate? Do I have to push you to follow a rule that's designed to support the team versus in and our, and our pursuit of a championship versus you know, you being more comfortable? Do I have to force you to wear a fucking mask, right? To protect the lives of people around you because you don't know which of the 3,000 people you come in contact in a month may die because you spread a disease to them. You know, do I have to force you to do that, or are you willing to put up with that discomfort for the sake of that unknown? You know, it's that kind of stuff, Chris.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, does a moment come to mind where you you were like, and and I'm just curious for my own learning, but learning how you do this because I think that the biggest difference between Chris is a leader in his 40s, and Chris is as a leader in his 30s. In regards to team, is uh, if you want it, come get it, and I'll give you all I got. But if you don't, that's okay. You know, Um, does a moment come out to your to come to your mind where you were like, "Oh yeah, he's this is sincere, the motive, or anything like that"? Just curious of how it translates to your psychology and what showed up in that moment. Uh, well, I wish I, I wish I was prepared for the question. No, no. no worries, and if nothing comes to mind, that's fine. I, that's just the nerd in me seeking continual self awareness. That's it. Um. So if it comes to mind, let me know. I'd definitely well, be. Well, here's curious.
1: I mean, there any so here's a great example, and, and Brett, you have probably experienced this as well. And Brett, I'm sure you've experienced this as you've built teams. Uh, you know, sports teams or professional sports teams. You know I would say to you, Chris, any chance you had, as we were working together over the last year, for example, just plucked from air, any chance you had to walk away because it was too hard, right? It wasn't like the process we were going through what was more difficult or required more of an investment, emotional or time-wise, than you were willing to spend, right? Any of those opportunities for you to walk away that you didn't? Because, because the vision, the dream, the goal, what we were building together, was more powerful than mm. any of the immediate pain that we may be feeling—financial, emotional, physical. You know, up at two in the morning. You know, or mm. in bed at two in the morning. You know, all that stuff.
0: Nice, thank what you. That's example. good sincerity. Yeah, um, it's it's so fascinating to hear how. It- another brain processes right um and that's part of the big picture of what we started out with everybody's got this reality playing out in their head and all of our realities are so different and and micro fractured that hearing how i was showing up to you helps me know myself more because those are things i don't think about a lot once mission is in place it's like you go um which is why I agree with you about your take on business. I think business and sports are two of the most powerful vehicles for impacting change in the world because they're micro enough that you can, you can really get them dialed in and healthy, but they're um, impacting enough to a person's individual life it's so much of their existence that you're also then having that second and third order effect on their families and the communities that they're connected to outside of the sports team and the and the business. And I think that's part of the nature of what we're facing at a political breakdown. It's too big. It's too macro. And so it it attracts too many corrupt players that just look out for their own benefit. right? Um, you know, and so that's, yeah, that's that's moving. Brett, what do you do? How do you test players to see if they're worth your time and effort.
2: Um, I like what Jimmy says, like you kind of give them opportunities to expose uh, you know, who they really are. Um, you know, I, have you guys watched the show Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus? I've wanted to. Is it funny? Well, okay. So I'm going to risk a little bit here drawing conclusions because I've only watched one episode, but uh, um <laughs> American football coach gets hired by a European soccer team to coach and he's never, he knows nothing about soccer, nothing. Um, and you know, the soccer team is like, uh, the, the players are just like, don't believe in this at all. Like completely resisting what he's doing. And the football coach is Ted Lasso. He's like super like Midwestern, you know, "Ah, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, uh, home home like just welcoming inviting to everybody and and you know everything rolls off his chest positive about everything and there's one player on the soccer team who just despises him like who who is not going to uh buy in or put up with this and and he can he can feel that energy so the first day in the locker room everyone's clearing out that that player's leaving he calls lasso calls him into the office and says hey I think it's really amazing. You really have the respect of your teammates and you've put together an amazing career. Um, that's awesome. I'm excited to work with you. And I don't remember what the player was like, but he's like F off and walked out and Lasso turns to his assistant and says, oh, he's a really nice guy. And the, la- and the assistant goes, uh, he says, yeah, just imagine how he will be once we went, how angry he'll be once we win him over. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, okay, he just allowed that guy to reveal who he is and, and where his stance is and where it's at. But Lasso was playing another game and, uh, you know, is going to show up to serve. And you know, the other way you could approach it is, like, you will bow down to my way or you're off the team. Right. Like, right. No, like I see where you're at and I'll work with where you're at and, and help you advance through those stages of, you know, help lead you out of your lion stage and into a way that's more communal.
0: The, dude, that just surfaced a clarity for me. Thank you. That, that a poorly played Ted Lasso or, or let me, a better played uh, you will bow down to me leader, a competitive leader. Competition's fine, but I'm talking about the insecure kind.
2: Yeah.
0: A a person who knows how to play that game better will beat a poorly executed, cooperative-based player every time. And that is the street reality that people do not get. That we haven't so evolved to a place of human nature that we see a cooperative player and we default to them, even if their storytelling persuasion skills aren't as advanced as this insecure negative bow down to me player. The insecure negative bow down to me player, you know, the best storyteller wins. Um, and, and that's the thing that makes me so sad is the naivete that people live with that think the more altruistic approach Uh, at a a large scale wins and it doesn't it can but it doesn't i gotta watch that show that sounds good is it funny is it worth
2: time investing it is funny like i said i'm one episode into it but yeah it is funny outstanding we've learned a lot today i think
1: it's pretty, pretty amazing um we're at the end of our politics for an hour and didn't bite each other's heads off. So. <laughs> well, I think we, we stopped short of revealing, you know, getting too heavy, I think. But uh, what I love, Brett, was, you know, the exploration of leadership. Uh, and it seems to me that what we talked about today is this idea, you know, there is a, there is responsibility in a team organization where there's a leader and there are team members. There's responsibility for leadership on both sides right? That's the first thing I think we talked about. Uh, we can't just show up and be lap dogs as team members. We have to bring some of ourselves to the table and we have to, we have to contribute some of ourselves uh, to the vision of that team. Uh, and to me, it, it's reminiscent, Chris, of the growth multiplier concept, right? We are all responsible for being growth multipliers, that one plus one equals three or five. Uh, we can't just show up and be there to support the ego of that leader. Um, the other thing on the other side of it, the, the leader has to show up. And it seems to me they have to have a vision that's bigger than them, right? It can't be that I'm building this team just for me and to support me and to get me what I want. There has to be something bigger because by the only way to make a vision expansive enough and powerful enough to include everyone on the team there has to be something bigger there than just the dream of the leader or the goal of the leader or have it be about the leader. Like a basketball team winning a championship, it's bigger than the leader. A leader can't get there on their own. Uh, So I've loved that part of the conversation today. And uh, of course, lots of great um, lessons along the way.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, if anybody's triggered by anything, we don't even know where it's going to land as of when we record this let that be an opportunity to surface the need for vision yeah
1: mm-hmm. we kicked off today talking about a little bit uh before we wrap up i know it's getting late here but before we wrap chris you guys talked about something you did with Sightshift. shift maybe you can share that with our audience
0: yeah well so we do a monthly like community thing for anybody that's invested in the coaching and uh today's this month's teaching was just on when it's all crazy and on fire. Why is that happening? What can you do about it to let it reveal mental flabbiness and grow? And and how can you how can you get your head down, your heart open, and move forward no matter what? And that's just three things. No matter what's happening in the world, there is still truth, there is still progress, and there are still people that matter. And we may argue about what over tr- truth is. We may argue over what progress is, and how we should order that mattering. But that's a really high level thing to think about. So take that, focus it into the individual teams you lead and understand because there's still truth, there's still courage to own reality as it is, because there's still progress, there's still resiliency. Move your mission forward. And because people still matter, there's still empathy. Find a way to show you care. Like Brett's been saying, you give to give, you don't give to get.
1: Good stuff, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for another great episode. This has been Breaking Brains and Building Hearts. We look forward to seeing everyone uh, next time. Thanks. Take good care.
0: Peace.